Welcome back to Venture Studio, the podcast where your host, Dave Lerner, entrepreneur, angel investor in 60-plus companies and director of entrepreneurship at Columbia University, interviews the angel investors and venture capitalists who make up New York City's entrepreneurial ecosystem. I am your producer, Kevin Weeks. This week, Zach Ahrens of Metaprop NYC and Millennium Partners joins us on the podcast. Metaprop NYC is an accelerator that brings together the brightest minds in real estate and technology to help quickly build promising young real estate companies. Check out our entire archive of interviews at VentureStudio.org or on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, TuneIn, or Google Play. Remember to subscribe on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at VentureStudio to stay up to date. In today's episode, Zach discusses all things real estate tech, from nitty-gritty pain points in each subsector to history, macro trends, and insights into the future of real estate tech. And now, without further ado, let's head on up to the Venture Studio office with Dave Lerner and Zach Ahrens. In the office, baby. have you with us. How are you? I'm doing great, Dave. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. And I was really hoping to get you on the show because, you know, you've quietly become one of the key people in New York to talk about real estate tech, what it is, because frankly, a lot of people don't know what it is, including myself, how enormous it is, and the type of investment and entrepreneurial opportunities in this space. So let's actually start with the size of the market to give everyone a sense of the scale and the history of this thing and how it's evolved. Yeah, so, I mean, real estate in general is one of the oldest markets uh, in the history of the world. Um, Dave, we were talking before I got on the program about uh, reference I made to the first deed uh, that was actually, uh, probably not the first deed that was ever issued, but the first deed that that we found, which dates back to a cuneiform tablet. So (laughs) the idea, fundamentally, the idea of real estate starts with the idea of ownership of real property. Uh, which manifests itself in a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a number of different ways. And that, that is certainly one of the oldest uh, human concepts. Um, and, you know, when people talk about, uh, what is it, like Laszlo's hierarchy or whatever, food, yeah. shelter, or whatever. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, shelter is obviously really important um, for everybody and has been, you know, back to ancient Sumerian days, um, quite clearly, because if it wasn't important, people wouldn't really uh, talk about conveying it in the same way back then. There wouldn't be a, 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 a tablet. It wasn't easy to just carve anything into a tablet. Um, you needed tools for it. Um, it suggests people with money, people with education, people who knew the written word. Um, so, you know, in many ways, the written word. Uh, part of why the written word developed was to figure out a way to um, to attach ownership of real property to specific individuals. Um, and so, you know, real estate, real estate's been around that long. Um, and obviously, there's huge, huge wealth tied up in it. Um, you know, people talk in the States about a $15 trillion market, you know, bigger than the stock market. I, you know, truthfully, I don't even know the real numbers. I don't know the scale. Um you know, I wrote a post uh, once about kind of kind of mocking, you know, some some of the people in the VC community who have who've just gotten really excited about real estate tech, where where they woke up one morning and they realized that they woke up in, a, in an apartment or a house and, and that apartment was worth something. And and it, it, they couldn't really 
conceptualize living it, it, not living in a building and then they went to work and they were also working in a building and and they had an epiphany that you know real estate was quite large and and was not necessarily going anywhere anytime soon so when you have when you have a, a, an opportunity an asset class of that size that is obviously highly cyclical i mean there's boom bust you know it, it, it has been rampant real estate from the beginning of time but but it's counter cyclical in the sense that um, people will give up pretty much everything else they have other than food before they give up shelter. Right. Right. So, you know, it, it, it is it is it is changing rapidly, but it's 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 definitely not going away. Right. And this this cracked me up in one of your posts. I think it was a post called The Forgotten 50 percent. It, it was funny. You were talking about real estate and how ancient it is. And it goes back to those cuneiform tablets that you were talking about in Sumerian yeah. times. And then you're like. It's basically unchanged till the 1980s, right? It's like passed down from family to family yeah. uh, over the generations. And then in, in the 1980s, uh, there were certain changes in the tax law and, and another phase sort of uh, came into being. Can you elaborate a little bit on that? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, real estate um, has been a family business for generations of, of, of many people for a number of different reasons. I was actually going back and forth with... Uh, my good friend Julian Smith, um, a breather about this, and 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 he brought up something that I mentioned to him, just sort of in passing a while ago. That 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 we were talking about why New York specifically um, has been a, 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 a an area that has been dominated by by real estate families, and the majority of them being Jewish. And uh, I, I I'm also Jewish. I don't belong to one of those sort of dynastic families necessarily. Although my father uh, is one of the founding partners of Millennium. Um, but if you go back and you read the Talmud, um, there's actually, uh, parts of the Talmud that tell you that to basically be a good Jew, uh, you need to own property. You need to own land. And I believe the quote, you know, I, 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 I don't read Talmud, but so I looked for an English translation, but it says, it says something like a, um, a person that does not own property is not a proper man. Or something like that, wow. and uh, and and I texted that to Julian, and he just like freaked out. He's like, "That's the most incredible thing ever!" Like, because he's into all. Do you know he's into all that stuff? Like, you know, religion and yeah. spirituality, and anyway. Um, so yeah, we were we were kind of geeking out on that. So so anyway, it's been a familial dynastic thing, and then um, you know, a, a combination of certain factors, uh, for lack of a better word, started to institutionalize the business. Um, you know, starting in the 70s and 80s and then accelerating um, when all these funds were set up to buy uh, these the, these kind of, uh, well, they, 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 they had been destroyed by the SNL crisis at the end of the 80s. Um, a lot of funds were kind of formed to buy out assets of the, out of the Resolution Trust Company, which was kind of like the TARP equivalent of, of that era. Mm-hmm. And so that's when you saw the, 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 the emergence of, you know, real estate, private equity funds and international money and, and the Japanese uh, were very active in New York real estate at that time. And, and, and you started seeing kind of it become less of just a, obviously the families retained vast power, but it became less of an all family religious dynastic kind of kind of vibe. I see. I see. And that and that trend is accelerating. But. You know, to the to the point that that we were trying to make in the forgotten fifty, like real estate, even even as it's become massively institutionalized, um, 
that's only 50% of the market, um, you know, in both commercial and residential assets. So you have, you know, it's, it's, it's a mom and pop thing at the end of the day, you know, people want to buy a house, you know, they, 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 they get some extra money. Um, they can, they can with leverage, you know, buy a house, rent it out. They run the numbers. It turns out that, you know, they can get more money in rent than they spend on their mortgage taxes and, uh, you know, repairs and maintenance and management for the building. And they figure, why not, uh, you know, get into that business? And, uh, you know, technology is obviously just making that easier. So it's it, what's cool about real estate is, is it, it, it's a it's it's a way uh, it's 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 very institutional. It's very professional. Um, the, the things the people in it are very smart um, and, and people really know what they're doing and work on some pretty complex stuff, especially when it comes to, you know, large scale, 20 year multi-phase mixed-use development i mean that is that is tricky hairy stuff you know you're you're collaborating with uh uh public institutions and and municipalities and the uh, you know all all different um consultants it's etc etc so so you can you can attack real estate from that angle, from the highest institutional level, or you can attack real estate from its base level of providing people shelter and, and you know, trying without ripping them off to make some money off it and, right. and have a nice sort of side business. You know, you see doctors and lawyers, you know, doctors and lawyers all over the country, they, they invest in their real estate, uh, you know, maybe buy a house here, house there, apartment here, apartment there to rent out and see if they can make money over time. And it's a great it's it's a great um, avenue for that, right? And and one of your points in that post was that you know the for quote forgotten fifty had been ignored by software companies for the last twenty twenty five years, and now you're seeing a lot of uh, opportunity. Yeah, well, in that I place. mean, it was just too hard to get at them. There was no distribution mechanism back twenty years ago to to reach all the people who owned one investment property. And now there is so, and those people also 20 years ago weren't ready to start using software to manage their, you know, investment properties. So, so yeah, that's a, that, that space is getting, you know, very interesting, uh, reasonably crowded, uh, companies going at it from a number of different angles. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's great. I mean, we, we look at backing companies that we can help go into a you know large landlord like a rooted management and try and sell them on a on on a product that might you know save the rudens you know hundreds of thousands of dollars uh, or hopefully millions of dollars a year across their portfolio, or you know we're comfortable trying to think through uh, distribution strategies for people going after the you know uh, hundreds of hundreds of thousands of small landlords. Right. Right. Um, you know, it's two it's two different models and but but what we're trying to do is 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 be helpful uh for both types of companies. Right. You know, you've established for everyone listening here, it's you know, a massive market, fifteen trillion or more that's the size of the stock market. It's ancient, maybe the oldest industry of all. Um great opportunity in the space. VCs kind of waking up to it finally, waking up and realizing they live in buildings. <laughs> work in buildings. Right. But let's segment it a little bit. How do you classify the the different industries within real estate 
And then how do you think about it from a tech perspective? What are the different tech facets of it? Yeah, so we, we kind of go back and forth on this a lot. And this is constantly uh, changing in, in, in how we try and slice and dice the market because it is so huge and it, it, it's so specialized. Um, but fundamentally, um, in real estate, although these lines are, are blurring and that's part of our investment thesis, there are multiple different property types. And then, and then buildings have uh, different permutations of uses of all those types. And the main types are commercial office, commercial retail store, uh, industrial, hotel hospitality, and residential. Um, and residential then, you know, can either be rented um, or sold. And and the processes associated with with that are are are. Different technologies are appropriate for residential, whether it's a for sale product or for rent products. In the other industries uh, or across the other, I would say, uh, sectors, it's almost always for rent. You're always talking about rent. So in a a commercial office context, you're looking at signing a high quality uh, company who wants to work there. You want to sign a 10 or 15 year lease. You want a really long lease. Um, in industrial kind of same thing in hotel, you're signing the shortest leases ever. Um, you're signing one night leases, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, which is why the hotel business is, is, is the most volatile, um, of all of these asset classes. Um, in residential, you're either selling them as condominiums or you are renting them and leases in residential are typically one year long. So that's kind of the spectrum. So when you think about real estate, you think about the different types of real estate, and then you think about leasing. So leasing is the most important thing, um, you know, in in uh, in real estate, for the most part, because that's where the money comes from. So anyway, so we look at the market that way. We segment it in terms of enterprise and consumer technology going after those specific verticals. And then I say we segment it from a professional standpoint and what a professional in real estate might be doing during the day. So we, we look at tools that help um, facilities management. Fundamentally, you know, what's going on in your buildings, right? Um, how much energy are they using? Are they using energy inefficiently? Um, how good a job is everybody doing at tracking um, uh, where your equipment is and the health of that equipment. So we invest very heavily in facilities management, what we call basement tech, um, which is sort of, that's always helping the expense line of a building, right? So you're looking to cut, you're looking to cut energy costs. Um, you're looking potentially to, um, create efficiencies with how you do repairs, uh, in the building on your HVAC equipment, um, and other items, um, you are installing software in order to uh, let you know when you have potential inspections coming around, mm-hmm. uh, when you have violations slapped on the building, which is an inevitability, unfortunately, in the real estate business, um, no matter how well you manage your, you know, <laughs> your property. Um, so, so that's an area that I would call facilities management slash basement tech. Then there's a whole suite of services for real estate brokers. And those are completely different on the residential side and then on the commercial side. And so and, and that market is sliced and diced, both consumer and enterprise. So there are a bunch of companies looking to create, let's say, CRM systems 
that help residential or commercial brokers do their job better. And then there are a lot of companies that are helping brokers advertise, you know, like uh, Zillow Network. And then there are a lot of companies looking to showcase listings on both a commercial and residential level directly to consumers um, in a sort of new broker distribution model or potentially disintermediation model, although disintermediation hasn't quite worked yet. So that's kind of broker tech. That's how we look at broker tech. Plenty of venture-backed companies in that space, yes? Absolutely, on, on, on both sides of the equation, you know, uh, in, in commercial and residential. Um, and, and, and so that, that space is obviously crowded, but there's huge, huge opportunities still left in, in, in broker tech. And in, in our opinion, we invest heavily in it. Um, you know, another area is uh, leasing, leasing and property management technology, primarily for landlords. Um, although brokers in some cases do interact with this software. So there's a lot of software in the commercial and residential side that helps you manage your leasing processes. You know, I have an LOI out on this space to three different people. We're at this stage. Here are the brokers interfacing with them, et cetera, et cetera. Here's how many square feet it is. Here's what my stacking plans look like. Um, getting sort of a better handle on your on, on your rent roll. Um, and then they're the kind of the oldest enterprise software uh, in, in the real estate space has been focused on property management and accounting software because that's really the guts of your organization, right? So, and there are different players in that space for both commercial and residential. Um, although a couple players are really, really do both. Um, so that's kind of your, 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 core landlord tech stuff is focused on managing your properties, doing your accounting and, and then, um, managing your facilities and then managing your leasing uh, processes in your rent roll. Um, then there are a lot of what I would call, um, we use for lack of a better phrase, Uberization of space companies. Mm. So like real estate, as, as good as it's gotten over the years, is still fundamentally an inefficient asset. Um, you have an office building uh, your office building, even if it's 100% lease, it's only really being occupied for half the day, right. um, you know, unless it's an investment bank when people are working 24 hours a day. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're, you're basically leaving – as a landlord, you're leaving money on the table yep. um, in that situation and, and, and same in, you know, residential. Um, you know, if you go away for a weekend, um, you're leaving money on the table theoretically not renting out your apartment or house – to someone who's coming into your city for the weekend. Um, so we look very heavily uh, at that space. It's very exciting. We think we're still kind of mid innings um, on that space. And, the, and the, the distinctions that I, that, I, that I try to so clearly map out now, you know, between commercial and hospitality, et cetera, et cetera, those are going to blur um, because of uh, collaborative consumption, on-demand services, mobile device proliferation and people sort of willing to live differently. Um, and, you know, a, a sort of offshoot of Uberization of, of space is like co-working and co-living. Um, so, so you know, so people... Company, yeah, companies in that space, we have Airbnb, we have the the WeWorks, the Common, the, you know... Brand, yeah, Airbnb, yeah, yeah. So there's Common, there's there's WeWork doing um, co-living right now uh, in New York City with their We Live products. Mm-hmm. And then there are a lot of people obviously doing co-working um, across the country now. And then there are a lot of people who have kind of taken co-working and built tech businesses off of the 
mindset of co-working companies like Breather, companies like Liquid Space, Pivot Desk, you know, things like that. And then Airbnb is just, you know, exploded, obviously, on the on the residential side. And it spawned a lot of interesting businesses that are slight variations of it. You know, whether you look at one fine stay or whether you look at overnight, um, you know, those are companies that are innovating kind of in a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a different pew of Airbnb's church. Uh, so so there's a lot of opportunity in that space. Um, real estate fintech is really blowing up right now. So, so that's on for, for a real estate investor that's on the, um, on the property sourcing side. You have a lot of companies right now doing really interesting things, slicing and dicing data, making it a lot easier for you to figure out how to acquire potential property, assemble property, um, how to potentially, uh, mass that property in real time. So you have a lot of stuff. Interesting stuff going on with GIS, with um, with data mining, with artificial intelligence. You know, informing real estate developers. You know where where they really should be looking. You know, I was joking around with uh, kind of morbidly with with Richard Sargis um, of Reonomy, and I was asking him, "Are you mining people dying in LLC partnerships yet?" And he laughed and he said, uh, "You know, that's funny. I get asked for that all the time because if you're a if you're kind of a real estate investor, you want to look at properties that you think are going to come on the market before anyone else knows they're coming on the market. So a lot of companies doing interesting stuff with data mining uh, uh, for acquisitions, and we look at that. Um, then there's a lot of companies doing analytics um, on that data. You know, a lot of them have been around a long time. A lot of them are just popping up. So companies that help you model, you know, potential cash flows, potential whether it's development or value add acquisition, like, okay, can we actually make money, um, you know, beyond kind of Excel. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, so, so that's an interesting, really interesting area. Um, and then FinTech, you know, on the financing side of real estate has just blown up. The crowdfunding uh, and, and stuff like that. Crowdfunding is just part of it. I mean, there's, there's crowdfunding and then you can slice and dice the crowdfunding market a zillion different ways. So there's people going after equity crowdfunding, there's people going after debt crowdfunding. There's people doing a hybrid. There's people doing it on a retail level where it's like me and you throwing, you know, 20, 2,500 bucks into a deal, right? right. Uh, and there's people doing it on the institutional level where, you know, giant REITs and funds are going on platforms and looking to put out, you know, millions of dollars wow. into deals. So that's just, you know, so in addition to crowdfunding, there's a ton of, uh, you know, interesting things going on with um, alternative lending. Uh, mortgage lending, sort of tech-enabled mortgage lending, is a space that's um, really exciting. Um, so there's a lot going on with fintech insurance. Um, we're seeing a lot of new properties pop up, trying to innovate in property and casualty insurance, trying to innovate in title insurance. So we're looking very, very heavily uh, at that. So yeah, fintech is a whole insurance is, is insurance is less populated right now. Less venture-backed companies. Is that is that a real big opportunity as you see it? Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I see no bigger opportunities right now than, than doing something innovative in property and casualty insurance or something innovative in title insurance. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, those, are, those are, you know, and, and, and we're investing, we're putting our money where our mouth is on that. We're okay. in, investing accordingly. Um, Very interesting. Uh, okay, that, that's extremely helpful. I mean, it's, it's obviously a labyrinth of overlapping themes and yeah. uh, uh, 
possibilities here. So you, you laid it out, residential, commercial office, commercial retail, hospitality, hotel, industrial. You didn't mention parking, but I think parking is Yeah, sorry is in, about that. In parking, your model. What's the deal with parking real quick? Tell, tell oh, us about I mean, parking. Well, you know, you got uh, – you got a number of issues with parking and, and stuff we think about all the time on the landlord side is that, and Brendan Wallace uh, from Gray Wolf wrote a great blog post about it, um, where it's like self-driving cars are coming and your parking lots are going to be worthless. So let's try and squeeze as much money as we can and try and run as efficient a uh, parking garage as we possibly can um, while we still... <laughs> While we still (laughs) have them, Um, while we still have people who are driving cars who want to park. So there's a huge amount of innovation going on in parking right now, not just on the consumer side, which has been discussed, you know, in the in the in the venture blogs kind of ad nauseum. Um, What I'm talking about more is stuff that that analytical tools and sensors and kind of connected, you know, connected device stuff, um, which is also a huge area of, of, of real estate tech, the whole smart buildings thing, basically having your parking garages talk to you and do dynamic pricing and figure out, you know, who's actually parking in your garage and uh, what they're doing there and what their willingness to pay is and what you can charge at certain hours. And so we're, you know, we, we, we backed a company called uh, Parkify, which is doing a lot of interesting stuff in that space. So. Okay. Very interesting stuff. You've 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 helped us understand how deep deep this thing is and how how varied it is, uh, in terms of market segmentation. Now you're a real estate developer. You're a prolific angel. You're in sixty seventy companies uh, yourself. And then a few years ago, you also started uh, what has become the preeminent real estate accelerator out there. It's called Metaprop. Tell folks about what Metaprop is and what you guys do in there. Great. So, yeah, so we started, um, let me just back up a little bit and talk sure. about how, how I kind of got in the business. Sure. Um, I'd kind of, uh, grown up in it, um, a little bit because, uh, my dad has been in it, um, since the 1970s. Hmm. And, um, you know, I, I went to work doing a bunch of different things. Um, I had uh, one of which was running my own uh, walking tour business in New York City and trying to market that business, which, by the way, I did horribly. I learned a little bit about social media and content marketing. And so I was winding that business down in 2010. And my dad suggested that I help him out uh, in Los Angeles um, try and do community relations, uh, online, which is, a had never really been done before, um, at scale. And so we built out that program for our project out there, millennium Hollywood, and ended up getting a lot of support from people kind of in, you know, our generation, um, who are more online and less likely to engage with developers directly at, uh, what are called in LA neighborhood councils here, you know, the community board equivalent basically. So, so I started getting really excited about real estate tech then. And then I kind of got more and more involved in, um, his business, uh, millennium partners were large scale, um, mixed use developer in, the, um, the gateway cities of the United States. Um, and then just started thinking about, um, investing in different types of technology, both, uh, you you know, me and my dad just looking at it and saying, okay, where can we, where can we kind of innovate 
here um, across everything we do right. instead of really just, you know, what we've been looking at, which was innovating in a community relations uh, content marketing um, perspective. Um, so and, and, and kind of concurrently at the time, I was angel investing and interning for uh, a venture fund while I was at Columbia Business School called ENIAC Ventures, and they specialize in mobile technology. And um, through that, I kind of learned a little bit about venture investing. And I had a professor there named Stu Elman, who runs uh, RRE Ventures. Of course. And Stu told me that I needed to focus on real estate tech, and real estate tech was going to be really big. And I could kind of help him get educated on the space. And it was was a good opportunity for me because I had this kind of inside track. as, as, as actually working in this space. Right. So I then kind of decided I was going to go pretty hard into doing, finding as many of these nascent real estate tech companies as I could, um, putting some money into them. And, and then I got approached, um, I think in 20, by the end of 2014, um, to, uh, help start, uh, an accelerator program, um, called Metaprop, which you mentioned, um, and, and try and become kind of the nexus for everything real estate technology related, um, in New York city and try and bring businesses in who maybe have a really good product, but don't know how to sell it into the industry and Mm -hmm. coach them and train them on how to do that. And then set up those relationships. You know, we, we both, we all noticed, um, the, the, the two other people who founded Metaprop, Aaron Block and Clearly Peters, we all kind of noticed individually that there was this issue where there wasn't really enough dialogue between landlords and brokers on like what they wanted and entrepreneurs on like what they could deliver. And, you know, that was a gap that we found ourselves kind of staring right at and, and, and thought we could, we, we could help. Fascinating. And we can kind of, there was no forum for it where people could collaborate and discuss these things. You know, there were barely neutral corner. uh, Let me let, look, uh, we did, I think Aaron, Aaron, Aaron blocks, uh, the, the, uh, founding partner and, 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 uh, man, managing director and Metaprop. He, he was like, we have to do like, uh, you know, launch cocktail party or something. And I was like, we haven't even launched, like, we don't even have any. He's like, let's just do a cocktail party at, <laughs> at, uh, at Warburg's offices, which is where we're based. So Clelia Peters, um, who's, uh, who also founded it. She, she also, um, is at Warburg, uh, Realty, which is her father's company. So, so they, and, and so we're housed out of that space and Flatiron. Anyway, so we did an event there and it was, it seemed to me like it was a, one of the first times where like, VCs, landlords, brokers, and entrepreneurs, and like technologists were actually were interacting with each other in like a, 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 a you know social right. way. Yep. Um, and I walked around and I saw you know I had a lot of friends there who came out um, to support you know from the community either people I'd co-invested with or um, people I'd backed and I saw you know one specific example. Um, I saw my, my, my friend Jeff Berman, who's a, a big generational landlord down the D.C. area, and he has a real estate tech fund called Camber Creek. And he was talking to a good friend of mine, a woman named uh, Karen Mayo of, uh, of Nestio, Nestio yep. one, of our, one of my portfolio companies um, from my angel uh, uh, days. 
And um, it looked like they had been friends for like 20 years. And I walked up to them. And I was like, how do you guys know each other? And they're like, oh, we just met. We we're just talking. <laughs> and like that type of that had seemingly hadn't been done before. Yeah. So after that, I was like, you know, I, maybe there's some here, yeah. uh, I, you know, after that night. I mean, before I was like, sure, you know, I'll, I'll, let, let's give it a go. Right. And then it kind of dawned on us, like, you know, maybe maybe we're on to something here. So so fast forward, Metaprop has these cohorts of company. I guess they apply to get in. Pat, we, we, we've just done one class, which one is class. five, okay. and that was 2015. We're doing uh, one class per year. We want to have probably eight to ten in this cohort. We have a lot more time to plan uh, this year than we have, you know, hindsight of everything we, we did right and, and, and all the stuff we did, you know, horribly wrong. Yep. to inform us. Um, so yeah, the program's going to start in August. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to last demo days are in January. We do East coast demo day and West coast demo day. This year we did demo in, uh, New York at, uh, seven world trade, which was awesome. Like you could look down into the memorial and all that. And, uh, in San Francisco, we did it at Zillow, uh, at their HQ. They're, they're one of our, uh, fantastic corporate partners and, and we're, uh, immensely grateful to work, uh, with Zillow. Right. Um, and, uh, and, and we may, um, we may try and do one in LA, uh, this year. Um, I'm talking to the cross campus guys. They're opening a new spot downtown, uh, in downtown LA, which should be open by then. Um, so we're thinking since we're going to do SF again, cause it went well, yep. we might as well do one. So yeah, it's a program. It's you know, it's 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 slightly different than your typical accelerator. We don't really house companies. We house maybe we can house maybe one or two really early ones. Um, we we seem to gravitate to slightly later stage companies. Um, you know, our sweet spot is kind of um, somebody who has a product already, but they're they need to really figure out how to hone it and sell it into the real estate vertical. Um, you know, and just take you know a hundred meetings a week for like eight straight weeks or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, it's so early, you know, we're, we're, we're being nimble and just trying to, you know, work with the best companies who, you know, who are going to help us and help the community and save people money. So how long, how long does a, a cohort last? Is it, uh, is it a month? Is it two? How long? No, it starts, it starts in like basically labor day around and it goes, you know, then there's a, then there's a decent sized break for the holidays, but then you kind of come back to do your demo days in January. Yeah. And so your your suite of mentors and everything is is teeing these people up with meetings and helping them. Through yeah. So we have we have what we call the RE two hundred program, um, which is uh, you know mentors. They're they're in different verticals of real estate. We try to get mentors across the spectrum of uses, which I we, which I mentioned earlier. We try to get mentors across the spectrum of professions. You know whether it's brokerage, facilities, you know commercial landlord, resi landlord, etc. Then we try to get mentors from the venture community. And then we try and get most importantly, we, you know, entrepreneurs in the real estate tech space who've been around the block, you, you know, come in and, 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 you know, maybe guys and, and gals who are at, you know, series B, series C stage or, you know, public companies who can come in and say, you know, this is, this is how you grow. I mentioned a couple of the companies that, are, that have gone through the accelerator. Yeah. I mean, so probably my, you know, I, I, I love all my children equally, but, um, you know, probably the, my, my favorite company to come out of it. And I, and I think I'm comfortable saying this because all the other companies said it, 
um, is, uh, is Radiator Labs. And um, Radiator Labs is a Columbia company. And, you know, don't, don't kill me when I say this, but he came in our program talking like a Columbia PhD. And he left our program talking like a badass, you know, nice. real estate guy. <laughs> You know, he, he, no he can go, taken. he can go in, he can go in and, and, and he can sell a landlord. He can say, look, he gets straight to the money. I can't tell you how many times, you know, I just told, I would cut him off and go straight to the money. How much are you saving me? That's all, you know, that, that's, uh, the landlord doesn't care how cool it is and how right. nifty it is and how neato it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, respect that. He doesn't, he or she doesn't care about, you know, what kind of patents you have. They want to know when can I get it? Right. How much money can it save me? Exactly. <laughs> and and if I can do it portfolio wide, how does that savings you know contribute drop down to NOI and ultimately raise the value of my of my portfolio? Right. So and, and and describe if you don't mind what what they do. What is their technology? So they're a connected device company. Um, they solve a very also another reason I like it. They solve a very New York specific problem, and I'm from New York, so I you know. Um, I grew up in one of the buildings millennium built, so I didn't have the, the, the old steam radiators, but I certainly went to plenty of friends' houses who have, and it's very inefficient, uh, heating these large apartment buildings with these steam radiators. So what they do is they put, um, a smart cover on it and, and allow you to regulate it through a, through a, regulate your heat through a number of different ways. And it's a connected device. So, um, you know, all the data is stored and, and, uh, mobile compatible, et cetera, et cetera. And you can say, not only is it good for tenant satisfaction because one, you know, you, you one in, in an apartment in New York, the kitchen will be burning hot and the bathroom will freeze, freezing cold. So now it normalizes it. So tenants are happy and landlords are happy because it's saving them a ton of money on their, um, on their heating expense, which typically in those types of residential leases, they don't pass through to tenants. But, but you know what, look, I, I love what Marshall's doing and, and I think it's a great business. You know, I think what we're most proud about is, is how we got Marshall to start changing his vocabulary, you know, when, when, when he went into meetings. So like, I constantly, you know, struggle with self doubt. Like, why am I doing all this stuff? And then sometimes you have conversations with entrepreneurs where they say things that that are that are kind of simplistic real estate concepts, but you know they just need to have them drilled into their mind, and like a typical VC may not be able to do that, yeah. right? And and so it's those moments where I'm like, you know, when I could teach Marshall the very real estate one on one equation of you know NOI over cap rate equals value, and that that's all he needed in a presentation. That was a very, you know, that was a meaningful thing for me that I that I could do for an entrepreneur, and that this program is supposed to be doing for entrepreneurs. And and for for the entrepreneurs out there who are in the real estate space, how would they apply? What's the best way to uh, get into this program? People always reach out to me. I mean, uh, getting a warm intro to me, and then we, I, I. I think we formally open applications in, in, in a couple months it. online. Yeah. It'll be like on F6S, you know, just like, sure. look, when you're starting an accelerator program in New York, it's not, you know, you just go to all the successful people who've done it before, all the tech stars people, all the dream it people, and you just steal everything they do. I mean, right. it's not, you know, so, so it's a very similar, you know, thing to applying to a, you know, if entrepreneurs are familiar with applying to a dream it or a, or, or a tech stars program or a YC, it's a very similar process to that. 
one of the interesting things you mentioned before is you, you helped Marshall in this case, and I'm sure many other entrepreneurs with the language and the sales pitch and a lot of introductions, et cetera. Uh, and, and you know the lingo, you know how it works because you know, you're part of Millennium Partners. You guys are developers, you're landlords. How do you guys approach technology? What's, what's, what are the key things that you're looking for? Um, well, right now, um, specifically, we're looking for a way to get a better handle on our commercial rent roll. Um, not so much in helping us lease because we are, we are lucky enough to be um, basically fully leased across our portfolio, but more to understand um, what obligations we have within our leases and make it easy to search for that information and categorize it. Are you looking for an NLP type solution? What what kind of technology are you looking for? Um, well, we're talking to one company specifically who does this. Uh, what they would say, and they're kind of the leaders in the space. Um, we're still uh, negotiating with them, so I don't want to uh, mention right now who it is. But but they uh, what they would tell you, and I you know I trust them uh, on this is that the NLP stuff for for this kind of lease uh, reading and abstracting is going to get there, but it's not quite there yet. We're still like three years away from that. Um, so that I would say is like the most pressing issue um, we're looking at. But, you know, our sales team, um, you know, they they look at a lot of different technologies. Um, they're very interested in, in you know, marketing tech and in, in, in looking at, you know, VR solutions uh, to help them, you know, sell condos. Um Rendering imaging technology. I mean, we're looking for stuff to help us prospect a little better, um, a little better on the data side. Um, we're looking for something to be able to uh, integrate with Argus in some way. Um, although that, you know, that that's uh, probably not going to happen for a while. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I would say, you know, we approach technology here in a, you know, we, 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 we look for problems and we look for specific solutions to solve them. I think once we've kind of solved a lot of our problems, then we'll take a step back and look holistically at how all this stuff should be syncing up with, it, with, with each other. But we're not, we're not there yet. And, you know, you'd probably be hard pressed to find a landlord, you know, that is. Um, landlords now are just starting, you know, a lot of landlords have. So, for example, so my father-in-law, uh, Barton Gale, he's the vice chairman of Mac Real Estate Group, which is a, a, a very large, multidisciplinary real estate company. And they kind of have separate companies within the umbrella, and they're all using different technologies. And so he was saying, he's like, Zach, how do, we, you know, how do we make all these technologies talk to each other, right, and make sure that the data that's coming into the construction management team, you know, can be later utilized down the road by the acquisitions team. Right. So... You know, the, uh, unfortunately, you know, what, what's great about real estate tech is it's obviously moving really quickly and it's booming. But like the integration stuff is really just starting to bubble yeah. up and it's yeah. just not it's just not there. It's so years away so. Yeah. So, yeah, that's a long winded way to say, you know, on Millennium, you know, I would say, uh, you know, we look at we, we, we look at specific problems we, 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 we have and, or certain things that keep different people up at night here and, and, and we, we will, we'll go hunting and, and find the best company, you know, solving that particular pain point. We're not, right. we're not like, we're not like thinking about, you know, innovating from, uh, from some ivory tower on a, you know, we're building our own, so, you know, we're not thinking about any of that. Got you. Got you know, you. we're looking at, you know, it's like, okay, we were, 
you know, we, we were we were working hard to get uh, some of our buildings, get the permanent CFO on, on some of our buildings. So we, you know, we called our friends at SiteComply and got, you know, got onto that platform, you know, uh, and, 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 you know, we, um, we've been using, you know, Sage 360, which is, uh, used to be called Timberline for our, you know, accounting and, 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 and we use Argus and we, we use a bunch of different stuff, but, but it's specifically focused on specific people's pain points, I would say. All right. Now this is related, but let's shift gears slightly. Uh, put on your investor hat now, take off your millennium hat slightly. Um, you know, with your background in this, with the Metaprop Accelerator, um, and frankly, with your exposure to a lot of different investors and um, non-real estate companies in your portfolio, what is your lens like today as an investor? I mean, I know you've written about, you know, you've taken a page out of Paige Craig's book on, on the hunting, you know, for kind of seeing us uh, the need for something out there and hunting for the solution what what have you evolved to these days as an investor still 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 hunting yep. still hunting um still trying to identify you know pain points at work and uh investing accordingly mm-hmm. and then in, uh, investing thematically you know across the themes that i that i outlined you know earlier i mean if you look at so so look at real estate in 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 a few different ways it is still inefficient, as I mentioned, as a physical asset, meaning no real estate is really used 100% of the time, right? So let's look to back all the companies who are looking to fill a building 100% of the time, right? If you do that, you'll be fine. Real estate is fundamentally inefficient to transfer. So let's look at companies making it easier to transfer a real estate asset, whether that's a blockchain company, whether that's a piece of transaction software, whether that's some fintech company, whatever it is. Let's start with the assumption that real estate is fundamentally inefficient to transfer, and let's look at companies who, um, who want to innovate on that. Um, real estate is fundamentally inefficient to manage. Um, you, know, you, 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 you only have problems at some of your buildings that need your attention some of the time. So there is certainly uh, a lot of ways to get the bulk 100% efficiency out of every individual within a real estate company. That is not happening right now. So if you, if you basically take those assumptions, right, that real estate is a fundamentally inefficient asset and, and, and you just invest accordingly to make it more inefficient across all those themes, I think you'll be okay. Gotcha. It, I, I, I don't have any, you know, it's it, there's nothing beyond that. There's no grand scheme, intellectual scheme beyond that. It, it's really just looking at that, and then things become kind of obvious. At least they're obvious to me until I'm wrong. Right. Speaking of the inefficiency, the underutilized aspect nature of of real estate, uh, I know your investor in Breather. You mentioned that company before. Tell us the story of Breather. How did you find Breather? Why did you invest? Uh, what's the story there? Yeah, so that was a crazy. That was a crazy thing. Um, I I used to hunt a lot on AngelList, actually, mm-hmm. and um, you know I used to look at deals that weren't necessarily trending, but seemed to have interesting investors and founders. And I found this company, and it, there was nothing about it on the on the on the profile except who the founders were and the investors, and like a picture of like sleeping dog, like a video of a sleeping dog. And it said, like, I don't know, unlock your space. I don't know. It had some tagline or whatever. 
And so I asked for an intro to the founder, uh, Julian Smith. He got back to me and we got on the phone and he explained, um, you know, what, what he was doing, where in his career as a writer, he, he had had trouble finding quiet spaces to work and he had to travel a lot to lecture and do different things like that. And he was tired of working in, in, in cafes. Um, and while I was talking to him, I was on the phone, I was walking through union square mm-hmm. because I was in between meetings and I couldn't, and it was a windy day and it was a horrible, um, it was really, really challenging for me to take that phone call. Yep. just because of the space I was in. And I was like, you can't see me right now and you wouldn't believe it, but I'm, I'm, I'm actually living the pain point your, your, your company's trying to solve right now. Right, right. Um, you know, I'm walking around, it's cold, it's horrible. All I want to do is take this call from somewhere inside that's quiet. That's all I want to do right now. Um, and, you know, I was sold on the idea right then. Um, so... You know, and that's been that's been a really fun company to work on. But, you know, that that company, when it first sort of came into people's awareness, the idea, it it, it sounded kind of crazy. It was not an intuitive thing. It's a a lot of this stuff is a, a different paradigm. It's a different way of looking at real estate. And it's hard to make that adjustment uh, in the way you think, like you hear about this stuff and it just sounds, I remember the first time I heard about smart buildings 10, 15 years ago, I didn't know what the guy was talking about, but the same kind of, kind of the static way we think of, you know, a typical person like myself thinks of, you know, a room, a building, a home, an office, right? This whole, all these different, you know, even the way we think about working and living, all that is being undone and unraveled with a lot of these companies. And, and I guess part of the thing is the challenge is to like um, not be set in your ways and to be open to these kind of, you know, new, new ways of looking at real estate in the first place. Yeah. I mean, look, you gotta, you know, you, you gotta back companies that simultaneously support the paradigm and simultaneously blow up the paradigm mm-hmm. in my opinion. So, you know, uh, my, my, my idea my, my vision, I guess, looking to, at, at how buildings are going to be built, um, you know, in the future, although that sounds kind of corny, is that they're really going to be complexes of specific rooms. And those rooms you will use based on when you need to use them. So it, you're going to use your dining room and your kitchen when you want to eat dinner. Mm-hmm. But you're not going to have to pay to use a dining room any other time other than when you want it. And when you want a place, you know, to access an office, you can access an office. Um, when you're sleeping, you're not going to be paying rent on your office. So, yeah, go ahead. So when we, when we're thinking about, you know, how buildings are going to be integrated, um, down the road, I think people are, and you're already seeing it, you know, with co-working, co-living, People, younger people, people younger, you know, in the in, in you know our kids' generation are going to mm-hmm. think about space and what it means to live somewhere and work somewhere and stay somewhere in a much much more fluid way than we do. What else do you see 
10, 15, 20 years from now happening in real, where are we heading to with these sensors? And Oh, I mean, there's so much. I mean, sense of what, so, what so the construction, the construction market is going to have the biggest disruptions, uh, it, potentially in, you know, in, 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 since the early, since the late 19th century, when people started building with steel and figuring out they could do skyscraper construction, which, which, which came out of Chicago initially, um, you're going to have autonomous construction vehicles, um, you are going to have 3D printing of concrete. Um, you, you know, you are going to have modular construction in a way that makes today's modular construction look, you know, just ridiculously um, bad. I mean, you are going to have, and, and modular construction now is quite good, but but you're going to get to a point where you're printing homes. Um, and, 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 you know, when you're not printing them, you, so... You're going to and then and then with 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 building homes through augmented reality, you're going to be able to basically um, create massive scale of buildings, cities, new cities will be able to pop up virtually overnight. I mean, it's going to be completely different how you plan for real estate, how you entitle real estate, how you build it, um, how you transact on it. Everything will be recorded um, on the blockchain, every lease, every purchase and sale, every deed, every encumbrance, every mortgage, every lien um, will be on one centralized database. I mean, it will be a fundamentally different ball game 50 years ago, 50 years from now. I mean, and, and, and you know, and, and I believe our children will experience real estate in a fundamentally different way than we do. I can't be specific on that because I don't really know. I just know it's going to be fundamentally different. Real, real quick, a lot of people see these valuations of some of these companies. You know, uh, I don't want to single anyone out. You know, I'm friendly with the WeWork guys, et cetera. But some people, you know, they see these valuations, $10 billion, $15 billion, $20 billion, And they say, why do some of these real, re- really what are, quote, real estate plays, co-working, et cetera, enjoy these uh, high-tech valuations? What, what is your take on that? I mean, if they if they truly have proprietary technology that allows them to scale, raise capital, deploy capital, build buildings in a way that no one else can, then they should definitely trade at a significant premium. You know, so so if, if they can really spin up real estate at a pace, you know, with a formula that just always makes money um, th- in a way that, you know, we can't and Tish and Spire can't and related can't, then, you know, they should theoretically have a higher multiple than those yeah. companies. Okay, um, yep. uh, ha- ha- has that been necessarily proven out yet? No. Is it possible? Certainly. So that's what I would say, you know, when people kind of scratch their heads about it. it you know, if you can, <laughs> if you can automate what, real estate developers do and deliver a kick-ass product and lease it up really quickly, yeah, you should have a much higher multiple on your, on your, on your NOI than, than we do. Uh, Zach, this has been an education. I want to thank you, and I thank you on, on behalf of all the listeners. We'll have you back on, my friend. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Show you around, give you a taste of business, you know?